Welcome to We Are Placemakers, the show that talks about Warrington to the people who make Warrington what it is. Today, we have got a mental health expert, someone who helps support the men and women of Warrington. He's an angel sent from heaven or somewhere down south, probably because of his accent. It's the incredible James Howes of Warrington Wolves Foundation. How are you, James? I'm very well today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks. So do you want to tell the people at home who don't know who you are a little bit about what you do and why you're here in Warrington? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm the health and wellbeing manager for the Warrington Wolves Foundation, which is the official charity of the wonderful uh, rugby league club that we have in our town. Mm -hmm. And my role is to help people of all ages with their physical, their emotional and their social health by creating new projects that use the power and influence of the professional sports club and its athletes to make some real positive changes mm -hmm. in people's lives at, at, in, a, in a really kind of difficult time in, in our history, really. Yeah, I think at the minute, it, it, it affect, health is obviously at the forefront of everybody's mind. Mental health mm. is very much at the forefront of everybody's mind. And we're quite, I say lucky in that we are on the precipice of some real big changes in society and how society, oh, just tapping the mic there for people at home if you didn't think we were recording live. Um, it, we're on the precipice of these kind of societal changes. Um, and so tell us a little bit more then about kind of what the club does because you you guys are kind of ahead of the game in this and you, you've you've been doing this for quite a while now yeah so it, it all started um following the tragic death of a former uh, great britain international terry newton yeah. who sadly took his own life and what that did is that sent uh, huge shockwaves through the game. Now, rugby league is uh, a very supportive sport. I've worked yes. in a few other sports, but rugby league is is by far and away the one that rallies around in times of uh, challenge and mm -hmm. times of crisis. And what that, that did is it, it started a lot of conversations about what happens within professional sport but also that then kind of led to some fantastic work that was undertaken initially by an organization called state of mind so when i came across to the warrington wolves one of my first conversations was with dr phil cooper mbe who's a warrington wolves fan mm. about how we can support the wider conversation amongst initially our supporters but that's since spiraled into uh, schools colleges prisons where we've delivered projects wow. as well uh, and what that did is it showed that despite the players mm. on our pitch being warriors they're, they're gladiators yeah. they're, they're they're men of steel in a lot of people's eyes yeah. what happens is with your physical fitness you mm. can be the the strongest, fastest, uh, most powerful athlete in the world. But if you've got something that's kind of not quite right away from the game, it might be an issue within your relationship. It might be something to do with your physical health. It might be something to do with the loss of a loved one. That can massively impact on your performance on the pitch. So what we were looking at doing was trying to translate that into everyday life. And the same applies for, for us as supporters or, or people in our, our Warrington community to say that 
when things aren't quite right in one area of your life, it can massively impact the other areas. So by using those lived experiences of those elite athletes, what we started to do was we started to normalize the conversation. And we'd go alongside State of Mind and we'd, we'd parachute in and we'd, we'd deliver sessions. But speaking with Dr. Phil and, and the fantastic uh, trustees from, from that charity, we decided that there's more that we could do because they were going in and they were spending a short period of time kind of opening conversations, but there wasn't anything that was more sustainable. So alongside, uh, at the time, Salford and Witness, we worked together alongside the sports charity Rugby League Cares, and we approached the, the lottery and said, we, we think we're onto something here, particularly for men, because yeah. men at the time made up 81% of our supporter base. Yeah. Uh, that's changed with projects that we've been, been doing over time. But also that correlated with suicide statistics and three quarters of all suicides are male. So we felt we had a platform, we had a vehicle, and we had the opportunity really to encourage men to open up and talk about things that were going on in their life that maybe they were hiding from other people. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking earlier as, as you came in uh, to begin recording about uh, some of the sessions that you run. One of them is called uh, Offload. Do you want to tell the people at home a little bit more about that and how maybe they can access that if they need to? So Offload um, is a series of 10 fixtures. We call them fixtures because in the clinical world and in other mental health circles, a lot of people talk about sessions, but we wanted to make sure we had that association with sport and it, it, it kind of, we, we reframed the terminology. So you've heard me already talk about mental fitness. We changed it from mental fitness, uh, sorry, mental health to mental fitness. We changed it from sessions to fixtures. We changed it from clients or beneficiaries to squad members. So what that started to do was start to break down some of those barriers that, that previously had existed for men accessing various support services. Now, every session is delivered by a head coach um, who has their own personal lived experiences. So they bring to the party a real connection with some of the things that those men might be going through. And by building that connection and building that rapport, what we found is we found that very often those head coaches learn a lot more from the men that are in those sessions. And that's helped us shape and redefine some of the content of those sessions. Mm. So one of the, the, the most popular and most beneficial sessions that we run through there is actually run by, um, I call him a, a mindfulness guru. It's a I guy called that. Russell Treasure. Mm -hmm. um, if you've not got him on the podcast yet, I thoroughly recommend you get him. Thank you. Um, he, he, his main areas of expertise are relaxation, sleep, and helping people with long-term uh, health, physical health issues and, and managing that pain. And he'd done quite a lot of work with professional athletes. So I'd approached him and said, we're missing this com particular component within offload. A lot of uh, the men are saying they're struggling to get to sleep or struggling to stay asleep. Would you prepare to, to kind of come in and, and support us with this? Yeah. So we did, and it went down fantastically well, uh, to the point now where every offload uh, project that happens in and around the country has now got a mindfulness session built within it. Now, Russell, by his own admission, is not a, an elite athlete, but he has worked with elite athletes, people in, in businesses, um, people across the community. And what that showed us was that we're not the experts in people's mental fitness. The people themselves are the experts in their mental fitness. 
So we need to make sure that we respond and we deliver fixtures within offload that reflects the changing circumstances of those individuals. So more recently, we've included a session on money management and managing debt when you are struggling with your mental fitness. Mm -hmm. So what offload has, has quickly become, we've got some great support. Uh, what we do wouldn't be possible without the support of our first team players. So we've got two ambassadors for that project. We've got uh, Peter Matauti and we've got Matty Russell, again, who've got their own personal journeys away from the sport and also in the sport as yeah. well. So by them standing up at, at, at the front of these sessions as the head coaches and really speaking about some of the tactics that they've used within their life to overcome those 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 difficult circumstances the men can really kind of buy into that mm -hmm. and and we've we've seen some fantastic success stories through offload we've had guys that have gone back to uh, study uh, one chap in particular one of my volunteers kevin um he's gone back to train to become a mental health nurse he's now qualified wow we've had guys start up their own charities we've had guys take on physical challenges to raise money for the foundation. That's so it, the, the tagline for us as a foundation is using mm -hmm. sport to change lives. But actually the offload project kind of saves lives through mm. sport. I couldn't help like in my head then thinking, gosh, yes, there's so much connection between sport and male emotional outlet, isn't there? Um, you guys are kind of breaking breaking down barriers there just with the use of the terminology is just incredible because i think i'm, I'm thinking about my husband um who doesn't often get mentioned on this podcast um however um you know him and his friends have all been football fans should we say i won't name the team um for you know their entire lives and their moods are directly affected by what happens on that pitch and it's the only outlet, I think, for them, or for a lot of them. I'm not going to say it every single, I'm not going to tar them all with the same brush, but I think it's very much a societal thing in that the emotion that you go through um, when you're watching the, the football, it gives you an outlet for it. And having that connection gives it just makes it so much more accessible, doesn't it, for, for people who might not be, more, be comfortable, like you say, talking about those things sessions therapists mindfulness if i said those words to my husband <laughs> i do say those words to my husband because i'm very in touch with with that kind of thing he's just like get an eye roll every now and then um so the the the, the, the fact that you've brought that to this community is just chef's kiss <laughs> oh, thank you. i mean i think the, the important thing to say there as well and, and i absolutely agree with everything you've said there what we've found in the last couple of years since the emergence from, from the pandemic mm. is we found more and more men who actually aren't into sport yeah. and aren't into rugby league coming through the door. Because what I'm really thankful for mm. within that particular project is that every man that, that gets something from it goes and tells other people. So we don't do a massive amount of advertising for the project mm. but what we do is we arm those those men or those squad members with the information they need to start conversations with other people themselves yeah and very often they'll bring a friend they'll bring a colleague they'll bring a family member along 
who may be a bit intrigued as to what happens. Mm. And when they come through the door, that's the secret is getting them through the door. And once we've got them through the door, I've got them then. And I'm able to influence and start some of those conversations. Yeah. And we, we had a conversation this week at, uh, at our fixture. When you want to get physically fit, mm. you move your body. You pick up a pair of trainers. You take the dog out for a walk. You jump on a bike or you go to the swimming pool. Um, but when you want to exercise your brain, how often do we do that on a daily basis? So what we, we coined a phrase that offloads becoming the mind gym for men. I love this because I heard on a podcast very recently that if there, we need to work on ourselves physically, that's something that we need to do in the gym or like you say, on the road. But what do we do about our mental health? So the fact that these conversations are happening is just amazing. We are going to have to go to a break. I'm very sorry, guys, but we will be back after some music with the incredible James. So please keep listening. See you on the other side. Welcome back to We Are Placemakers, the show that talks about Warrington to the people who make Warrington what it is. My name is Steph. If you didn't know, I am having a wonderful chat and we're getting really deep uh, with James Howes from the Warrington Wolves Foundation. We were just before the break talking about the benefits of the offload session. No fixtures um, that you guys do over at the foundation and also how kind of getting people through the door is is the hardest bit because actually the the content that's my marketing head coming on me there but the content of the session fixtures I am going to keep um, uh, correcting myself because I think it's the right thing to do um it, it it that's the hardest bit because once the the, the people that are needing the support get into one of the fixtures they can see how much it kind of benefits them kind of pick up from where you left off and we'll we'll go from there so we're talking about like mental health and just that kind of conversation between between men and and bringing new people along that might not necessarily even be into sports yeah i think from my experience when you provide a safe trusting space and as i said before normalize a conversation around what you're feeling very often men have got a, a perception of what their role in life needs to be within the the fixtures and, and i'm kind of peeling back the the curtain a little bit to tell you a little bit more but within the sessions we we have a bin um and, and it's a it's a symbolic kind of gesture really what we say to the men is this is your opportunity for an hour every tuesday evening to take the mask off that you wear some of us might have to wear many masks um, we might have to wear a mask as a partner, uh, a dad, a boss, but this is your time to be 100% authentically you. And very rarely do those men do anything that's just for them. So this is kind of where they can share things. And the, the, the only rule of offload is what happens in the room stays in the room, mm. unless there's a risk to that individual or someone within the life, in which case we, we have the right processes and protocols in place but that 
opportunity to be liberated and to free themselves of any worries, stresses, anxieties that they might not have been able to tell even those closest to them is a really powerful kind of way of talking about your feelings. We, we faced some challenges during lockdown um, because we had to take offload online. The challenge we had with taking our offload online was that many of the conversations that men wanted to have, they were having in their own homes and they were listening ears, whether that be partners, children, other people around. So the power of being with other men and actually talking in a way that is acceptable within that situation is really, really important. And as we've already said, we, we deliver the fixtures mm. within the changing room at the stadium. So it's a non-clinical setting. So if you're coming to the stadium, you could be coming for anything. Mm -hmm. You could be coming to access a, another community activity. You could be coming to buy your tickets. You could be coming to um, the health services that are around the corner. You could be coming for anything. Mm -hmm. But actually taking it away from... The, the, the medical setting has been really, really important for those men. And we get some great support for the project. We have a, a fantastic network of doctors and GPs and health professionals that are now kind of really plugged into what offload can do. Because what we're trying to do really with, within that project is three main things. We're trying to raise awareness of mental fitness. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tackle the stigma that stops men from talking. And ultimately what we're trying to do is equip those men with a toolkit or a kit bag of self-care strategies that they can go away and they can use when they need them. But also they might come across somebody else that needs something. Now they might not be able to access offload or they might feel a group setting is not appropriate to them, but they just dip into that kit bag and they can give that tool to somebody else. Yeah. So what we try and do is we try and fill those kit bags with as many different things as possible. They might not need them now, but they might need them in the future. I just think the entire concept is wonderful and so needed um, at this moment in time. And you, you've talked about the the kind of experiences of, of some of the men, um, you know, having coming back and, and you know, being really uh, taking away things from the sessions. Um, you mentioned about the challenges that you faced during COVID. Are there any other challenges that you faced kind of maybe away from the pandemic? I mean, we know that that was just an incredible struggle for for absolutely everyone and that had a massive impact on i think ev the the world's mental health let alone the the people of warrington are there any other kind of challenges that you've had to face whether it's be stigma from people who, who don't really understand what you guys are trying to do or anything like that 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 you've kind of thought you know what we can we can do this we can get over this i think probably the the biggest challenge was around educating the, the, the people within the club mm. around why sport and rugby league can play such a powerful role in encouraging men to open up and talk about their feelings. Within offload, there is a small component of physical activity, but it's not a physical activity or sport-based project. We don't go out onto the pitch every week and do some coaching drills or do some fitness sessions within the stadium. And actually, once 
kind of I, I encouraged as many male staff as possible to come into the session and many of them did just out of pure kind of curiosity and when they did they realized that okay it might not be something that they needed but when they were talking to sponsors or they were talking to their their own personal networks they had a first kind of first hand working knowledge really of of what those sessions involved our ceo at the club carl was one of the first person one of the first people to take up that offer and actually within the networks that he operates in is able to, to to really shout from the rooftops about what we're doing in terms of giving back to our community as a professional rugby league club so carl's got experiences as a player welfare officer in the past so was able to to really give a, a a unique insight into some of those challenges anonymously that maybe professional athletes have had and again that helped us really make sure that we were relevant we were current and we were delivering what we needed to deliver as part of that i think the other challenge that we faced with regards to opening up those conversations is it's identifying other gaps that we would love to address so for instance i, I often get asked oh when when's a female offload coming on board or when are you going to start delivering a huge schools-based project and both of those I would love to deliver because mental health and mental fitness doesn't discriminate you can have as many cars on the drive as much money in the bank and on the surface be the happiest person alive but your mental fitness can be challenged in ways in some cases that you've never experienced before so I have a number of female supporters and we've now got a, a, a hugely successful female super league team that compete within the, the competition and they've just been promoted so for mm. the first time they have got a platform to, to talk about issues away from the, the pitch so i'd love to do something around kind of female mental fitness yeah. moving forward but when I talk to a lot of the, the men on the offload project and try to identify where some of their issues began, a lot of them began in childhood. And in an ideal world, we wouldn't have an offload program. And somebody said to me today, funnily enough, they said, oh, offload seems to be becoming more popular. That's great. Actually, the reverse is true. Yeah. I would <clears throat> love the day when we could shut the doors and we didn't need an offload program because everyone was as mentally fit as they could be in our local community but when you track it back there are so many pressures and so many um expectations of young people in today's society i think we can make a massive difference within our schools using the the fundamental principles of what offload does for male adults mm -hmm. and embed some of that self-care strategy within young people so that they don't need to walk through the door when they hit 18 and come to an offload session i do, yeah you're absolutely right i think starting as young as you possibly can with the conversations about mental health is the absolute fundamental way that we are going to create a better next generation of kids i'm very much for those conversations happening sooner rather than later well what we are going to do is we are going to take a little break and play some music but what we are also going to do is if you are listening to this on the podcast all of the information about offload and the fixtures that offload 
put on are going to be available in our Spotify blurb and our iTunes blurb. So check on there for more information. We'll see you after this break. Welcome back to We Are Placemakers, the show that talks about Warrington to the people who make Warrington what it is. I'm Steph and I am joined by the incredible James Howe and we have been talking all things offload at the Warrington Wolves Foundation. This now, James, this is this, this is the tough bit. No, I'm only joking. Um, we ask all of our guests these questions and um, it's just really nice to kind of hear from, from you and I think this is going to be absolutely incredible but what is the best bit of advice you ever received the best piece of advice i've ever received was to get comfortable living in the uncomfortable because it's the only place that you'll progress so when you kind of look at kind of the way that kind of my life and my career is as as evolved i've always tried to push myself. I've always tried to challenge myself in different ways. And what that piece of advice did for me was it made me realize that we can very quickly get used to routines and used to structure. But actually, sometimes we need to take ourselves out of those routines and those structures to see what we are actually capable of. Mm. Our own thoughts can be a, a limiting factor at times and we talk a lot within the offload sessions uh, about a book called the chimp paradox by professor steve peters and our brains can play massive tricks on us if we allow them to so within kind of that piece of advice what i took from that was i took a number of things on board but the first one was that i am in control of my own destiny if I am unwell, whether that be physically or emotionally. I'm the only one that can truly start the process of making things better. So for instance, if I am feeling my mental fitness is, is challenged, what I need to do, I need to dip into my toolkit. And if there's something in there that I've never used before, because I'm not sure what it's going to do for me, never be afraid to try it. Some of the best success stories in life come from failing. I look at people like Dyson or I look at people like Steve Jobs. Yeah. They weren't successful first time around. They got used to being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I think for me as an individual, I always want to set myself goals. I always want to set myself targets. And I find that when I don't have goals on a daily basis or a weekly basis, that's when I really do start to struggle. Um, my, one of my goals every day, and, and it sounds quite simplistic, is to make the bed. Now, regardless of how much of a bad day that I might have had, I know that when I get home, I've achieved at least one thing. And that sense of achievement of, I might not be the best made bed in the world, but it's my bed and I've made it the way that I want it. So having that kind of structure, that goal, and not being too hard on yourself when you don't achieve those goals as well is also a really important kind of piece of advice. I know that's two pieces of advice, but I think that's important because we might set ourselves goals and, and sometimes you can get demoralized or demotivated when you don't hit those goals. Actually, look at how far you have come 
And you've probably come further than you gave yourself credit for. I feel like you were talking directly at me then. <clears throat> I know you're not. You're obviously giving the wonderful people at home that advice. Um, but I was like, yeah, I will make my bed now. Thanks, James. <laughs> if yeah, I, got, I got goosebumps listening to you. I'm all a bit, I'm a bit of fluster now. I apologize. If you could go back, another question we ask all of our guests is if you could go back and have a chat with 14-year-old you, what piece of advice would you give them? That's a really difficult one, mm. uh, and I and I like that. I, I like being in the uncomfortable. And <laughs> um, I think that the best piece of advice that I would give fourteen-year-old me is find someone that you can be one hundred percent honest with, for a couple of reasons. When you are struggling, whether that be in your personal life or your professional life, having someone that just gets you and gets it is really important. More often than not, when we find that person that we wholeheartedly trust with anything in our life, we offload to them, not in the expectation that they're going to fix that, but they're just going to listen without judgment. So having that, that, that trusted friend or colleague that you can just really talk to about the emotions you might be feeling or the frustrations is really, really important. And actually, kind of as a as a fourteen year old, and and again, you you've you've got listeners that are probably within that age bracket as well. Sometimes that can be a really vulnerable choice to make because you're worried that some of those things might be used against you, or might provide ammunition for 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 friends or, or people within your networks. But actually, if you can find that one person, and it might not be within your friendship circle, it might be a family member, it might be a mentor at school, it might be a teacher. The other side of it, in terms of, of having that person that you can be 100% honest with, is having someone that can be 100% honest with you. Because if you're prepared to give all of you, actually, you've got to be kind of prepared to receive some things that you might not want to hear. Now, if you've got that relationship with someone, they're not doing it to be vindictive or they're not doing it to undermine you. They're doing it to help you. So once you you find that person, hang on to them. Um, and and I, I was really fortunate as, as a 14-year-old to be allocated a, a mentor. Now, mentors operate in different ways um, through schools or through wonderful organizations that we have in and around the town. If as a 14-year-old you have an opportunity to get a mentor, I would suggest that is an amazing thing. My mentor had nothing to do with sport, had nothing to do with physical activity. But what they showed me was that they showed me the, the benefits of, of hard work, the benefits of commitment, the benefits of really identifying what you want to achieve in life. And sometimes having someone that has no kind of concept of what your life is like can give you a very different perspective on things. And and, and often within the, the Warrington Walls Foundation, we bring in people who don't know us as an organization and, and almost become that, that critical friend and can say, well, you've done it this way for so long. Why have you done it that way? And going back to 14-year-old me, I think kind of that, that for me would have been massively kind of beneficial. I probably had people at the age of 14 that I could do that with, but I was too scared of what the reaction would be. I was too scared of maybe kind of showing up 
in inverted commas, a weakness mm. that I, I'm a 14 year old. I should know what I want to do with my life. I should know where I'm going in my life. I should be on the path to success. Well, I don't think anyone kind of ultimately kind of is where they want to be in life. We're all work in progress. Yes, I could not agree more. Find your person. <clears throat> I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. Um, and that suggestion of mentorship is just incredible someone that has an objective view of what's actually happening in your life because they are not the center of it and they can see everything that you might not be able to see okay final question then before we run out of time um for this podcast what's your favorite thing about warrington i i don't think i'd be allowed back into the stadium if i didn't say the warrington Wolves rugby league club way that answers our final question which is are you a big fan of rugby so two in one there james well done <laughs> well I, i'm that much of a, a a rugby league fan that one of my first challenges that mm. i undertook for the foundation was cycling from the halliwell jones stadium to wembley for a challenge cup final and uh, at the time, I, I didn't actually realise how much of a challenge I'd let myself in for because um, by the time I got from the stadium to Lim Interchange, I was ready to turn around and come home. Um, I, I still had another 150 miles to go. Um, so um, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, no, it's okay because we, we, we now run that challenge annually. Oh. So if anyone's interested in getting involved in a fundraising challenge for... Um, a local charity then please 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 contact us through our various channels uh, and we can make sure that we get you on our next ride so uh, our cycling challenge this year mm -hmm. will take us around every single super league club um, and we'll end up in newcastle at st james's park for the magic weekend at the start of june so um, again that will be taking ourselves into the uncomfortable zone but I'm pretty sure that kind of with uh, with your your listeners' help and kind of the, the support of the Warrington Wolves uh, Rugby League Club, we will get there. You will absolutely get there. We will pop all of those details in our podcast blurbs. For anybody that is interested, head to Spotify or iTunes and you'll be able to find them there. Well... James, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, just before we go, you mentioned earlier that there were a couple of events taking place in the next couple of weeks. This will be airing March 9th, I believe. So come on, talk to me. What's going on? Well, it's a very, very big year for the Warrington Wolves Foundation. So it is our 18th birthday this year. So we started way back in 2005. Is that all um, 18 years ago? So that's 18 years ago. <laughs> Can you remember what you were doing in 2005? Yes, I was just leaving high school. Okay. Well, 18 <laughs> years of, of intervening memories for us. Um, we, we're, we're really proud as a charity that, that we've, we've achieved some amazing things over, over those uh, 18 years. So on the uh, 17th of March, when we play uh, Lee Leopards, uh, we are having a foundation takeover game at the Warrington Walls. Mm -hmm. So we have got lots of um, activities planned. You'll see some familiar faces from the, from the last 18 years mm -hmm. pop up in and around the game and on our social media channels. So uh, the, the idea behind that is that we realise that 
we make such a big difference to people of all ages within our communities. The sport of rugby league is is so engaging in so many different ways. And throughout that 18 years, we have we've seen so many changes in 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 modern life, but actually we've seen so many changes as a club as well. Yeah. So it's really important that when those landmarks come, we do stop and we take stock of of the things that have gone before because without those people that were involved with us, either as trustees, staff, volunteers, participants, we wouldn't have got to where we've got to today. So, uh, yeah, if uh, anyone kind of uh, is interested in supporting us uh, throughout our 18th year, then uh, then please do. We'd, we'd, we'd love to have, along, have you guys along for the ride. Fantastic. All the information on the takeover will be available on the team's website, and I will make sure that it is popped into our podcast blurb. Thank you, James, and thank you very much for listening, everybody at home. I've been Steph, and this is We Are Placemakers. We'll sign off with some music. Bye.